Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. This is the Seahawkers Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. And this week on episode 251, got a special guest coming on the show, Nesby Glasgow, Seattle Seahawks safety from 1988 to 1992. Nesby played 14 years in the NFL, drafted by the Baltimore Colts in the eighth round of the 1979 NFL draft. Of course, Nesby played his college time with the University of Washington. And he's joining us for the second time on the show. Nesby, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's my pleasure to uh, be on your show again after all these years. Uh, one thing I need to share with you and, and the audience is that I, I was a top flight rated defensive back coming out of college. But when I went to uh, the Senior Bowl, I ended up shattering my ankle. And there were doubts if I would even be able to play my rookie year. But I was able to play and end up starting my rookie year. And that's and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you because yeah, eighth round draft pick, and they don't even go down to the eighth round now. And so to be, you know, that that high of a prospect, and then you know we see pl- that happen to players now. You know, uh, and there's kind of that big argument of whether players should. Uh, you know, a lot of people give players a hard time for sitting out some of those senior bowl games, some of those those meaningless games toward the end of the season for their college teams. Are you? Does that make you more of a proponent for some of the these guys who decide, you know, yeah, I, I'm going into the NFL. I'm going to shut it down. Yeah, I'll do some of the combine stuff, but I'm going to try and take care of my body on my way into the NFL draft. You know, the the one game that that I would play in, believe it or not, again, would be the Senior Bowl, even though I broke up my ankle and everything. Uh, you, you have so many professional coaches and scouts that are there that you really get a head start on a lot of folks because there are people that, there are people that think differently about you. Uh, one of the things for me was that I know that playing in the Senior Bowl really upgraded me if I hadn't broken my ankle because I, I had so many guys asking me questions because they were just in, in, impressed with my style of play and wanted to know how I saw things and how did I know this was going on. So, you know, I shared a lot of my secrets with the guys that were in camp and and, uh, you know, I, I would always tell them, I said, when you're on the sideline, that's when you should play it, pay attention. You should study the guys on the field, you know, see how they go in and out of their breaks. You know, if anything you can, you can get out of watching it and it gives you an advantage, then you need to pay attention because, you know, there are a number of guys just not paying attention, you know, shooting the breeze, talking. And they would always see me looking at guys and you know so one guy asked me and the rest so they started doing the same thing too but it always made sense to me because it gave you such a great advantage when you pay attention to little things or you see how a guy is trying to set up the guy that's out there on the field because he's going to try to set you up the same way if a guy comes to the line of scrimmage a wide receiver and he looks down the field and if I'm looking down at the field you can see from his head it's you know the long look or a short look and that's where he breaks it. And, you know, every time he's looking down there, he's running a short route or he's running a deep route. And so little things like that, you know, guys were glad I was passing that along. 
as you watch how things have changed over the years, obviously, you know, that was, um, you know, gosh, almost uh, 40 years ago now that uh, you were coming out and into the draft. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to do the math in my head and that was uh, that was tough. I'm I'm 62 now. I tell you what, you don't look like it, Nesby. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I don't look like it. I don't sound like it. I mean, I hit it all the time. Uh, and, and the thing about it is that I tell all my friends that I'm going to die quick, and they don't believe me until they see me move. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, sometimes I amaze myself just that I still have this uh, innate ability to move at a quick pace. And, and it's not like I've lost a lot of my physicality that I had when I was younger. Oh, that's great. And so uh, over these 40 years, you know, how, what are some of those changes that you've seen in the NFL? You know, I, I brought up the, the eighth round draft pick, you know, that was a year where there were 12 different rounds and, you know, being a university of Washington guy too. I, I mean, just how different that is. I mean, we all watch the draft on TV now. What was it like in 79 when, uh, for the, as far as the, the draft went for players? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I kind of knew that, my stock had dropped, and, and you know, I was thinking I was going between somewhere between the sixth and the, and, and the ninth round, something like that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, the more and more uh, scouts and, and other folks, you know, affiliated with the NFL I, I spoke with, you know, you know, I just realized how severe uh, my break was because, you know, at the same time, uh, I, I, I'll give you another example. I'm on the phone on draft day. And I'm talking to uh, Coach Shula in Miami. And and he's telling me about, you know, they're drafting me for the next year and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I'm listening to him talk. And I say, well, Coach, if I can play this year, I'll do everything in my uh, ability to be able to play. Uh, but, you know, it's nice that you're going to give me a year to get my health back. But I'm not planning on, you know, not playing. So, I'm going you know, to put forth my best effort and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to play with you because I really liked him a lot and, and wanted to play with him. To make a long story short, the phone, that's back when the, the phones used to beep, right? So the, my phone beeps and <laughs> because the, the next draft choice was uh, before them, the Colts had the next pick. So sure enough, it was the Colts and it's Ted Marchabroda and I had the same kind of conversation with him. He tells me about, you know, that they're not expecting me to be able to play. They're drafting me for next year. But anyway, make a long story short, you know, when I got to training camp and stuff and and started competing to everybody's surprise, uh, I was able to compete at a high level. But my body, even to this day, uh, uh, right now I'm dealing with stage four cancer. But my doctor says to me time and time again, I've never had a client that's, that his body has been able to keep the cancer in check like yours. And I remember I told him one day, I said, you know, as long as I could remember, I was the guy that when I got hurt, I never stayed hurt. My body always had the capacity, ability, whatever, to heal itself at a higher at a higher rate. And for as old as I am, it's still working. So, you know, evidently I'm blessed and, and I'm grateful that, you know, it's still working on the level that it's working on because, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm feeling real good right now. I'm not having a whole lot of issues. And, uh, you know, I go in for another big checkup, I think, on Thursday. And hopefully my stomach mass has gotten smaller because it's been getting, it's been shrinking all this time. So, 
So, so I've, I've been really blessed to have a body that's always healed itself at a high at a high rate. So when I got to the Colts, and that occurred, you know, I, I guess I was the only one that wasn't surprised. Wow, I I had no idea that you were going through the the cancer treatment. So shoot, yeah, we're definitely rooting for you too. As all all the Seahawks oh, fans, I'm doing out there. great. I mean, right right now, my body's holding up. I'm eating well again. I'm gaining my weight back. Uh, I'm in such a, a much better uh, state of frame of mind right now. So uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, all's well in Gotham. You know, talking about everything being all well, you know, that that first year, that, that your rookie year with the Colts, I mean, you were a monster on special teams, you know, over a thousand yeah. yards on, on your kick returns, you know, three, 350 punt return yards. You had a, a touchdown on, on with one of your punt returns. Yeah. And, and so what did it mean for you to be, you know, su- have such an impact then, especially on special teams? Well, you know, I think, you know, when when you get to that level and you realize that you are playing with the best football players in the world, and then all of a sudden that you can actually compete with the best football players in the world, and you don't have any more questions. It's kind of like, okay, I, I have what it takes to, to play at this level. There's no more question about it, you know, and 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 it, it, was, it was interesting for me to to realize that you know that I could be one of the best players at that level, you know at least on the teams I played with, because you know all my teammates always looked up to me, always respected me. I was a captain for both teams, and you know that I played on. So you know I showed the leadership quality, and, and I showed the ability to play football at a high level uh, for a long time. In fact, when I retired and uh, 93, the coach wanted, you know, the Seahawks wanted me to come back, but I was ready to start coaching my kids and stuff. You know, I had two sons and a daughter, and, you know, I had to pass on it. So, I mean, I, I wish I had known, known more because by passing, I missed out on, on all the, the 93 stuff they gave the guys that played in 93. But at the same time, you know, to play 14 years and be able to walk and talk and and stand and, and play with your kids, that says a lot. And I was able to do that. And, and that's another reason why I made that decision. You know, it was time for me to start being a father. And, you know, I enjoy having a great time with my kids. I'm coaching my grandson now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. Well, I just think it's really impressive to be able to – the fact that you played until you were 35 – I mean, we saw guys like Cam Chancellor, Doug Baldwin, you know, released from the team this year and going off into retirement. And you know, Doug Baldwin in his early 30s. I was I was ready to have like four or five more years of Doug Baldwin. Still, was it kind of surprising to you at all to to see some, some of these guys leaving so early? Oh, I was definitely surprised to see uh, not Cam because I knew Cam was right. done, but uh, Doug Baldwin. Doug was a surprise. I I I didn't see that coming at all. So. That was really a surprise. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, I'm sure Doug has prepared himself for life after football. I mean, he's a great guy to be around, very smart, intelligent. And uh, I also think that I know he wasn't ready to leave. I'd be surprised if he said, yeah. But, you know, evidently there was something, you know, going on that the rest of us didn't know about. Yeah. We all knew about Cam, but not him. But uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, he was really a fun guy to watch. Uh I mean, he left his football game on the field. You never had to be concerned about his effort, his toughness. He was a fearless receiver, you know, where you could be down and you couldn't break him. So, 
you know, he'll always have my respect because he showed his toughness, he earned it, and, you know, he was a great player for the Seahawks. Like, both guys were. I, hey, I was looking at your stats here, Nesby, and you had a little bit of experience as a wide receiver. Uh, looking back to 1989 in the opener against the Philadelphia Eagles, I see, see here you have a four-yard reception. What, does that stand out to you at all in, in your career? No, no, that wasn't me. It had to be an interception. <laughs> well, maybe, and maybe they got the stats wrong on on this game because I, I see you as a four yard reception. So, and that that, that just jumped yeah, out. I didn't, as weird I, didn't, to me. I didn't know. I didn't play. It. You know what? If I did, I don't remember the play. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they had me do something like that. It was, it was kind of like uh, I'll reminisce with you. Uh, when, when I was in high school, I never played quarterback. We only had two quarterbacks. Both quarterbacks go down. I played quarterback that day, and we win the football game. And I remember when my coach said, you know, you ready to play quarterback today? I was like, huh? <laughs> he said, well, look, Naz, you're, you're, you're one of my smartest guys on the team. And so-and-so was already banged up, and so-and-so got hurt. The other backup quarterback got hurt. So he says, hey, you're the guy. So I said, all right, coach. And I played quarterback, and we won. That's great. The Seahawks are going through their OTAs right now. What was preparation like for you going into the NFL seasons? I was, I was different than most guys. Uh, I think that most guys would wait for about two weeks, or three weeks before training camp to start working out. Uh, I would always start that second week in February. I'd start working out. I'd do my regimen, go to the UW track and run there, run up the stairs and then up the bleachers. And then over the UW, they had these steps. Uh, what is it? on the west side of, of, of the stadium, uh, I don't know, you, you go across 520, as soon as you get across, you would get off. And you go to your right, and there were these great steps that walked up the hill, and I would always run those steps. So that was, that was the beginning of my workout program. The second week of February is when I always worked out. And I think because of that, that gave me such a distinct advantage because conditioning-wise, I was always in, 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 in great shape. In fact, uh, one of the young guys was telling me how, I can't, I wish I could remember his name, was telling me how when he came to the Seahawks, this is after we were done playing, we were sitting around talking. And he said, I got to tell you something, Nesby. When I came to the Seahawks, he said, the first thing I did when I got home, and I told my girlfriend, who's my wife now, I said, honey, there's this old guy at camp, and there ain't nothing I can't do that he can't do. But that was because of Joe Washington. You remember Joe Washington, don't you? I don't know if I do. Anyway, Joe Washington went to the University of Oklahoma one. For me, at least, pound for pound, the best football player ever played with or against. And I would always see Joe working out uh, after practice. So I not only worked out, started working out that second week of February, you know, I would work out after practice with Joe. And Joe taught me how to catch punts with one hand. And he said, look, you can catch punts with one hand consistently, catch him with two, it won't be a problem. And that was the truth. Yeah, Joe was, uh, he was a little bit, see, I, I'm actually uh, 40 myself, so I, I started watching Seahawks football uh, right around, I think my first game was in 1988, uh, which would have been, gosh, was that your first year uh, back with the Seahawks then? And yep. I, I, yeah, I remember. And I think I, my, think I, my first game was, uh, it was a year that Craig went down. So I think Kelly Stoffer was playing for Dave Craig and. Yep. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was, that was my inter- introduction to Seahawks football. And it's, it, so it's cool for me to go back and I was a big football, uh, card collector. 
And I was actually going through some of my cards and uh, just this past, uh, just over the winter. And I, I came across a Nesby Glasgow football card and I thought, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a bunch of cards. But uh, how important was it for you to come back to Seattle then being a guy who came out of the University of Washington? And was that an opportunity that you really sought out coming back to, to Seattle or, or were they coming looking for you after your nine years in, in Baltimore? And Indy? No, no question. I, w- I went uh, actually... Uh, uh, the Jets wanted to sign me, and I ended up taking less to come back to Seattle, but we had just built a house in Seattle. And, and to be honest with you, I was looking to play one more year in Indianapolis, you know, and in with them for 10 years. But, you know, the way things worked out and, 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 and what happened, I ended up playing five and could have played six. But, you know, point being was that, you know, I was in – timeline-wise for me, I was ready to move back to the great Northwest and – started raising my family so uh like i said you know we had just built a home and uh he wasn't ready to probably close to the end of football season and then we moved in and you know we lived there for a bunch of years and then i moved back to indianapolis to work for the coast then i came back to the seahawks to work for the seahawks but but i i enjoyed i for me at least i enjoyed every aspect of my nfl career what was coach chuck knox like Chuck Knox was, I'll say this, as far as the NFL goes, the best coach that I played for. I, I love Chuck because Chuck was very astute at speaking different languages. I mean, he would talk to the white guys different. If he was an Asian or Spanish, he'd talk to you differently. And he could deal with the black guy. And, and you knew what he was saying when he spoke. And, and, and I remember we played uh, Kansas City, and we hadn't beaten Kansas City in Kansas City in a long time. We finally beat them. We're heading back to the airport, and that's when we rolled through the gate. We didn't go through the terminal, and we got, you know, we got off the bus and got on the plane. Anyway, Chuck stops the buses in front of a liquor store, sends in about eight guys, and they load up on booze. And most of the day, I was like a steward, a stewardess, whatever, because I didn't drink then. I didn't drink till I was 46, so. But only Chuck Knox would do something like that. <laughs> You know, we would have the balls to do something like that. But he was truly a great man to play for, and I will always love and respect him because he was as truthful as, as a coach could be. And if you were, and if you were ready to, to hear a tough answer, he would give you that tough answer. So, you know, so if you wanted to ask him something, then you have to be ready for, you know, the answer. And, that's what I, and I love that. I love that about Coach James, and I love that about – uh, my my head coach, University of Washington, I love that about Chuck because you could always talk to him. And you were never confused when you left the room because he was very explicit what he was trying to explain to you. That's great. I know he was always famous for his Noxisms. And were, were there any? Oh, he had some crazy ones. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what were some of your favorites? I can't remember now. <laughs> I've, I've been hitting my head too many times. You know, that, that was a long time ago, Nesby. I, I, mean, I have to, I've been hitting my head too many times. I mean, I think that's an, an issue that the league's going to have to, to deal with because I don't, I don't think, you know, part of it is that the hitting during practice conditions you to absorb and take hits, and, and, and they're so concerned about guys getting hurt. I think at times they don't allow them to hit enough to build up that husk and just that ability to take those hits. Oh, so you, you think that, that maybe them taking some of that hitting out of practice is yeah. it could be detrimental? I do. 
I think, you know, like anything else in life, you have to condition your body for whatever it's going to face. Now, it, I mean, it, but it's a fine line. So, I mean, you, you can't, you know, you can't do kill shots on your teammates, nothing like that, which we used to do back in the day, by the way. But, you know, basically, you still need to have enough hits in there so your body can get accustomed to those hits and then, you know, adjust accordingly. I mean, that's just my take on it. That's my my theory, so to speak. Oh, that, well, I mean, for a guy who who made a lot of big hits in his career, that, that's an interesting perspective, I think. Yeah. You know, right now, the Seahawks have been kind of one of those teams that have really emphasized kind of taking the head out of the hit. And, you know, in terms of safety, I, I can see how that would, would, would make a lot of sense, well, too. No, no, no. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to practices and, 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 and I see... I, I see what they're doing with that, and to me, that's great. I mean, uh, it, it's always great to keep the head out, but we were taught to leave with our head. That's why we, a lot of us are punch drunk now, because when we were playing Pop Warner, high school, college, you know, we used to say we're going head hunting, and we would leave with our head. I mean, we hit somebody first with the head. That's just, we were accustomed to tackling that way. Right. And that's not the best way to tackle, but your shoulders and, and all of that, and arms, you know, if you can build up some husk or tusk, you know, with that area of your body, you won't break down as much. So do you think you'd like to see more of a change to the equipment then? Well, I mean, but, but I, I think that they, they've really done almost as much as they can for the equipment. You look at the helmet today and how much padding they had. Yeah. They have and stuff, you know, uh, and, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, so, I mean, they've, they've done a, an outstanding job of trying to, you know, uh, improve the equipment. But then, you know, uh, what's the guy's name that played for the Seahawks? He plays for the Eagles now. You know, he runs around with a little tiny shoulder pads. Oh, yeah, Michael like, Bennett. Man. <laughs> yeah, Bennett. I mean, those shoulder pads are like, you know, a punter would have on. Now, you guys had the huge shoulder pads back in the 80s. Oh, we I had mean, big those... <laughs> shoulder pads. Oh, we had big shoulder pads, yeah. Yeah, so it is, it is wild to see, to watch a game, you know, like Kenny Easley yeah. and those, yeah. you know, he had the huge shoulder pads yeah. and <laughs> to see somebody like Michael Bennett uh, wearing the, the punter shoulder pads, essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I was like, huh? <laughs> hey, Nesby, I want to go back to 1988 because that was, you know, that was a pretty big year for the Seahawks. That was one of the, they, they got, won the, the AFC West that year with the 9-7 and seven record. And... I think mm-hmm. back to that uh, late December game against the L.A. Raiders, you know, the division rival Raiders. Yeah. And 43 mm-hmm. to 37, you get the win over the Raiders. Does, does that game stand out to you at all? That game stood out for me because. Uh, uh, remember Bo, University of Auburn? Oh, yeah. Bo Jackson. Yeah. He had, didn't he have like 200 yards in that game? He had a bunch of yards, but we messed him up. I mean, he had to, they had to take him out of the game for a while. Oh no, that was earlier on that that he had the two hundred yards, and then you guys you guys shut him down in that game. No, that was that wasn't him. Yeah, because we 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 had him taken out of the game. Uh, it was uh, James Jefferson got under his skin so much that there was a play where instead of Bo doing what he's supposed to do, he went after James. So I told James to keep talking to him, and he talked to him the rest of the day, and 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 Bo was useless to the Raiders. All he was thinking about was Jake Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that was a fun game to play against him because he was like losing his mind for that game. I mean, he was going crazy. Yeah, I bet I catch you in the parking lot after the game. <laughs> and, 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 and he was stuttering because he was so upset. When he got mad, he was stuttering. 
So then James would just repeat it back to him. What, 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 what you mean? You, you, you go get me in the, in the parking park lot. And he, he went crazy. That's awesome. Now you guys went on to, to play the Bengals in the divisional round in the playoffs that yeah, year. We should have beat the Bengals. I mean, we, we kind of pissed down our leg uh, in the playoffs, you know, but that was our opportunity to, to, to do more. And uh, for some reason, we just wasn't ready. And, you know, that, that's how it goes sometimes. Just as a football player, when you see a team that, that you beat go on to the Super Bowl like they did in that season, does that make you better knowing that, that you lost to the, the, the representative of the AFC in the Super Bowl? Or does that make you feel worse knowing that, hey, that could have been us if we just win that game? I, it makes me feel worse because I, I know that's the game we should have won. Man, back-to-back just legendary running backs with Bo Jackson against the Raiders and the Nicky Woods yeah. uh, for the Bengals yeah. that year. Who was the guy that you didn't like going up against in your career? Uh, probably nobody. I mean, I, I, I never, I never had any personal grudges. Or, uh, probably, uh, my, my greatest attribute is that I've, I've never been intimidated by anyone. I mean, like even big guys that I would run into, I would win most of those battles because I've always won those battles. And so, like, my teammates would be like, man, I can't believe you hit him like that, you you know. And I said, well, that's what I've always been able to do. So I became accustomed to it. But, you know, I I, I never let myself get down. Uh, I try not to let my teammates get down. You know, it's, it's always about the next play. You know, it's always about the next play. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the current year Seahawks. Is, are, are there any guys that you kind of have your eye on, you know, especially a guy like Marquise Blair, the Seahawks drafted in the second round, you know, you being a, a defensive back uh, are any, uh, any guys in particular that are really on your radar going into the 2019 season? Well, I, I, I think that the, the Seahawks, uh, they, they seem to always have a, you know, anywhere from a really good to a pretty good secondary and, and nothing's changed there. Uh, you know, I don't know the defensive back's name, but he's doing a good job of, of getting those guys, you know, prepared and ready to play. Because I think that, you know, most guys don't realize that there's a jump from high school to college, but then there's a bigger jump from college to the National Football League. And I think that's what gets a, a lot of guys in trouble are where all these great college football players kind of disappear. It's like they become nothing in the NFL. And a lot of times it's because the competition is so stiff in the NFL that it's overwhelming to a lot of guys. They won't say that, but it is. Even now, you know, nobody's really figured out the draft because there's so many guys that have so much talent in college and they come into the NFL and no, no matter what, no matter how highly a prospect is rated, you never know if a guy is you know, going to stink at the NFL level or if you know or if all of a sudden he's gonna the injury bug's gonna hit him and he's never gonna make the field or you got guys like Doug Baldwin who go undrafted and go on to have amazing careers and is there anything that you attribute that to well I think part of the problem is that when you look at uh, the the scouting system and everything is that uh, more times than than not uh, to me that's that's where the mistakes are made because they'll draft a guy based on his potential, but not on how he plays. And what I mean by that, you know, yeah, they'll draft a guy that's super fast, super quick, but 
is dumb as rocks when it comes to being, you know, a real good football player. And so, you know, if it's somebody whose hand, I don't care how physically gifted he is, but if it's somebody that, you know, every day, every day in practice, you, you have to reiterate to them that, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that, then mentally they're, they're not ready to play at, at, at the NFL level because, I mean, your playbook is so thick, and if you didn't go to a university that prepared you for that, then you're lost because you can't just rely on your physicality to get you through. It's also a, uh, a deep mental game that you have to really adjust to and, and know all the nuances and, and, and everything about because that's what's going to keep you in the game for a long time, and that's what's going to keep you in the good graces of the coaches when they are sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know what the hell you are doing when you step on that football field. So who do you attribute uh, at, with the Huskies who really uh, prepared you for playing at the next level? I would say uh, Coach James and my defensive back coach, Coach Harris. Uh, we always had long sessions where we would talk about what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and we'd always talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of the opponents that we were going to face. I mean, so, I mean, we didn't, we didn't go into a situation and not know – you know, the other guys, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Well, hey, Nesby, you know, one of the things that I, I don't remember us talking about last time you were on was your company that, that you work with, Executive Global Tours. Uh, what, what is it that you, you do with that group? What we do, we find uh, current and former professional athletes, not just football players, that have 501c3s and then and they have a good fan base. That's, that's the key, too. What we do is that we set up trips and and we help them raise money for their charities because what we do is that we give them we give uh, the player seventy percent of what we make on the trip and that goes to a charity and we fly him and his significant other uh, overseas with us on the flight and we usually it's centered around golf we have usually five rounds of golf and so we cover their flights and the golf and everything we're just going to do a trip with some of the TL guys I know uh, Chris Warren. Uh, it's one of the guys, you know, I'm going to see if uh, Steve Largen and Zoran want to go. And then uh, myself and probably uh, uh, Eugene Robinson. And, you know, we'll do a trip abroad and play golf and have a good time. And get the Seattle fan base to travel with us. And they'll hang out with us and they'll play golf with us and have a great time. Yeah, I'm definitely noticing that golf is, is a big part of this, Nesby. Are you a big golfer? Oh, yeah. No, it is. I'm a golf junkie. Yeah. Now my score doesn't always stay there, but I'm still a golf junkie. <laughs> I know it's been a while since I played too, but I, I could get back into it if I need to. Yes, yeah, it's, it's fun. Now you mentioned Chris Warren. See, that was growing up as a Seahawks fan. Chris Warren was my guy. Like I had yeah. talk about football yeah. cards. I, I had pages of Chris Warren football cards. Anything that stands out about Chris during your time with the team? No, I mean, Chris was just a quiet guy that played hard and, you know, he had great size, you know, for a running back and uh, a lot of speed for a run, straight line speed for a running back. And, you know, and he, he came with what he had. So, I mean, he was always fun to, to be playing with as opposed to playing against because he was always prepared and ready to go. Well, Nesby, really want to thank you for taking some time and, and chatting with me this week. And, uh, you know, anytime that you're getting close, you know, especially if you got a trip coming up that's Seahawks focused, uh, let's come on and, and uh, jump on and, and talk about it a little bit. And of oh, course, you, you, you got it. You got it. And, and we're wishing you the best, man, with the, with the fight with your, your continued fight with cancer, too. 
Oh, like I said, you know, right now I'm beating it down like a stove, something so. And I expect that to continue to happen. So there you go. So big thanks to Nesby Glasgow for coming on the show this week. Hey, covering for Adam while he is out on travel this week. But Adam and I will be back for another show, uh, probably toward the end of the, this week, early next week. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.